Alright all you comic geeks, nerds, or whatever you want to call yourself, this is the Four Guys in a Comic Podcast. This is Red, and I got with me Rusty and Nova, your drill instructors for tonight. Yes, we put out a poll, and we got your vote. You want to talk about G.I. Joe, the greatest American hero. Well, guess what? We're going to talk about it, and for all you guys out there, if you're not listening, you're going to owe me 20. So guys, G.I. Joe, what do you think? Uh, I like nope. it. You you talk about it first, Nova. Me? All right. So you basically got Channing Tatum. You got The Rock. Um, <laughs> <laughs> they're both swinging on cliffs no. and stuff. <laughs> no. Okay, we're we're talking about the 1982 Marvel run of GI Joe. Uh, oh man. Okay, so. No, I thought I'd take the chance. What I read in the original thing, and me and Nova both agree on it, the art in the issues that we were looking at from the 80s Mm -hmm. is wowza. Yeah. It is pretty dang good for the time. It was. I mean, there's so much about it, too. If you think about, like, the first issue of G.I. Joe that came out in 82, that wasn't on your standard newsprint that uh, you're familiar with back then. It was brought, you know that newsprint that you're familiar with, like, in the late 80s and the 90s? Yeah, yeah, that that paper quality that it came out then, and people were like looking at this like, what the heck is this stuff? You know, what are you doing? And then they it changed over for in with issue two back into the newsprint because it wasn't met by overwhelming popular demand. People just weren't too crazy about it, but it was, it was groundbreaking for the time. Not only that, but everything else with in, involved in it. And issue one is for the most part a standalone. It really didn't start the story until issue number two. So, and wow, story-wise, it is amazing, phenomenal. You know, there's a lot of comic series have arcs where, you know, where a certain amount of issues cover just the storyline. Really, G.I. Joe, the first, really the solid 50 issues, it's just one big story, you know, with a few little minor things going on here and there. But it's just one long story and everything intertwines. You know, I, I talked to you guys about, you know, looking at some of the issues. And I know tw- issue 21 is probably the most historic issue within the run. Um, groundbreaking, even for just comic books in general. Everybody talks about the silent issue. And wow. Well, I mean, really, I, I, I want to know your reaction. What did you guys think of the silent issue? Personally, I really liked the silent issue. And I know it was a mistake, right? It wasn't meant to actually be... It was meant uh, it was meant to be printed without the text? Yes. I thought it was an accident. No, because be. st- uh, uh, a s- a Snake Eyes doesn't talk. Yeah. No. So. But okay. Yeah. There, I mean, there was no like thought, no nothing, no narration. Mm-hmm. I thought it was an error. I, I could be wrong. Nope. Might be wrong. Either way, the issue was really, really good. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I've heard people talk about it like Jake and stuff because he's a big, mm-hmm. big like Snake Eyes fanboy. And um, I've I, and I actually went back, you know, this week, and I, I looked at it for the first time. And uh, my first go through, I actually went through it, one, and then I went after I was done, I went through it again <laughs> just to see if I missed anything because you can pick out all kinds of little different things yeah. going on, and it's uh, a whole lot of action in one issue. It is. Oh yeah, lots of stuff going on. So I know that uh, Tap, when he he's unable to make it tonight, but when he talked about it, he said that he did like it. Even though he did like some of the other issues more, but he did enjoy it as well. Um, so Nova, what did you think of issue twenty one? Yeah, I um I enjoyed it. I thought it was good, but uh, on the same on I don't know if Matt was the same way or Tap rather, um, but I'm not too familiar with the characters, so I'm sure having read it from you know issue one to twenty one just just blows your mind. Um, 
even in general, the first 50, 50 issues you said, mm-hmm. uh, I'm sure it was great. But for me, I, I enjoyed it. I thought it was good. I could follow along what was happening. I love Snake Eyes, so uh, I'll always read anything with him in it. But um, yeah, it made me want to go and read more G.I. Joe for sure. It does. And you know, the, part of the love of it, too, especially was the fact that at issue number 21, it was the first time in a comic you had an issue without any talking. It was just a story told through art. You never saw that before. Yeah. Now you can start seeing that here and there, but that was the first time, and people are like, "Oh my god, this is!" I just read a story, and there was I didn't have to read it. <laughs> it, was, it was amazing. It was pretty cool back then. But the thing that was really also the other groundbreaking, like the wow part, was that last panel. I don't know if you guys picked up on it, but the tattoos. They had Snake Eyes and Storm Shadow had similar tattoos, and everybody did was doing a double take, like. Uh, what's going on they went to the, the same clan well, what's going on it was like it was a huge deal i don't know if you guys picked up on that at all on the last panel no i saw that no definitely in the last mm-hmm. panel and it went over and everything but mm-hmm. it makes a lot more sense after yes. you read the origin story yes so the origin story uh issues 26 and 27 which is basically you know one one long story going through the back issue of how it all came to being and you know you're introduced to the hard master the soft master and you know the soft master you really start seeing a lot more through the series and i don't know if you guys got a chance to read issues number 43 at all no that was the death of the soft master and that was another issue that was like heart stopping it's like you know billy and candy and the soft master and everybody in this explosion and that's the thing with gi joe when somebody dies they're dead you know how many times in the marvel universe did somebody die and come back Let's not get started on that one. Yeah, Yeah, but G.I. Joe did not do that. The only thing close to it was Billy was injured, but he didn't die in that car accident issue 43. The other people, they died, but they didn't come back. And there was even a part of that where Cobra, they have their Crimson Guard people, and they all have plastic surgery to look alike. They have wives, children. They live a regular, everyday kind of Hydra type of life, I guess you can think of it that way. But if one of them dies... They can replace that husband with somebody that looks just like him. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. Now, um, creepy. speaking of Hydra, <laughs> just really quickly wanted to throw this out there. I was talking to Rusty earlier about the um, Snake Eyes ongoing that was pretty recent. Mm-hmm. Um, and then after that ongoing, it became Snake Eyes uh, Agent of Cobra. So I was like, they did this mm-hmm. a few years ago. Uh, I was seeing it now again with Captain America. It's interesting. Yeah. Just a side note. No, um, but yeah, yeah uh, how many issues did Larry Hama do? Did he do all two hundred and forty? He's still, he's still doing it. He's still oh doing it. Oh my god! I know Chuck Dixon. Really? Wow. So this is what happened. Uh, so Larry Hama started with the GI Joe with Marvel. Unfortunately, as we all know, Marvel has the intellectual rights to the, all the stuff. Larry Hama basically, at the end of it, didn't see a dime or penny, even after all of the money was still going through. And this is a sore spot. And when I've met him twice, he will not talk about it. He does not want to talk about it because they really screwed him over. Wow. And he and so Marvel ended up concluding the run in issue 155. Um, Image Comics picked it up and they had a run. But then IDW picked up the G.I. Joe story, brought Larry back on board with issue 155 and a half, which was a free comic book day um, issue. And then the um series basically is now still ongoing 
And lots of places now have changed the title over from G.I. Joe, you know, a greatest American hero from Marvel to now it's instead of saying Marvel, it says IDW because they've continued on the series. Wow. So does Larry get money from it now? Not from the Marvel stuff, but from IDW. Yes, he does. Mm-hmm. And they just continued yes. the numbering. That's cool. And yeah, basically that's... what was cool is they kind of, for the most part, picked it up in continuing the line uh, as, as through time where yeah. you know it's here it is 20 years later some of these joes are now overweight they got pregnant they did this they no longer can be joes because they're just not physically fit they really did it well in that aspect to say hey you know what time has passed some of the UIL are just too old to continue to be joes so you know you still have your cobra commander and things like that the bigger names Billy is no longer a kid, obviously. He's an adult. Billy always been one of my favorite uh, characters. Uh, really cool. Now, I know we're talking about favorite characters and people that died. I gotta talk I, I'd be dismissed if I didn't bring up a character called Quinn. Uh Quinn was a loved character throughout G.I. Joe. And to this day, people still will complain about it because they killed him off and they never brought him back or anything take a love character and just kill him off. It would be like taking Jean Grey, killing her and never bringing her back. Ever. <laughs> Ever. <laughs> That'll happen. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so. But uh, is Tommy still alive then? Or uh, we and Nova were arguing over it. Is it like Shadow Storm or S- Storm Shadow? What so is it? Storm Shadow. Yes. Storm Shadow. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so is he still around? Is yeah, he uh, still alive? Still around. Still around. Now. Still hasn't gotten his vengeance? Well, yes and no. So the vengeance, I will do some spoilers. It turned out to be Firefly and Tarzan, uh, Tarzan, <laughs> Zartan, <laughs> um, working together that killed the Hardmaster. It was a Cobra plot. All right, so he did get his revenge. So, oh, God, this now you're making me want ask, to read you... more, Joe. And oh, I'm no. telling you, it was really good because, you know, Cobra, they actually created their own Cobra Island through just really awesome strategic ways to make a... Le- and their own country that is recognized yeah. through the UN. Well, what's cool is I'm looking on Amazon now, and it looks like IDW had been publishing hardcovers with the uh, with the classic stuff. Mm-hmm. Yep. Oh my god! Damn it, uh, Red. Yeah. GI <laughs> Joe is awesome. It's an awesome, awesome read, and people think, oh, okay, GI Joe. Then think of the cartoons and the movies and stuff. Again, it's for the most part its own entity. You know, the more you know. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So was was the comic out before the TV show? Yes, yes, it was. Okay, so it started out as a comic. Mm-hmm. Okay, and then that's cool. Following after that, you know, they brought out the toys and the comic uh, cartoon. It blew out of the water. I mean, I it was huge back when I was a kid. Every boy had to have something G.I. Joe. You had your mellowways. You got your flag points in the backs of the toys to mail away for free things just for shipping and handling. Sure, you had to wait eight weeks, and it killed you every day for eight weeks when you're going to get that in the mail. But it had really, really great exclusives that you can only get through the mail. So did they ever make any G.I. Joe comics um, after Marvel, obviously, that are considered like mature or you know, not necessarily for a younger audience? I want to say the image, in my opinion, is more mature. It was a little more grittier than the Marvel run. Uh, it's a good read. It's still a very great read. But I still prefer the run f- from through Marvel into IDW. Okay. So. Interesting. So i got to ask. You guys got any G.I. Joe questions out there? 
Um, so did, were you? Did you get into GI Joe through the comic or the cartoon? Through the comic. Uh, actually, some interesting stories in this. I picked it up in issue five. I will never forget because back then, where I was at, I could only pick up comics through things like Seven Eleven, Circle K, Albertson Supermarkets, you know, off of spin racks. And, you know, you, you go there, you'd be lucky if you found the issues. And if you did find the issues, if they, most of the times they were bent over the because of the metal railing on the spin racks, right. you know. So, I mean, I started with issue five. And I ended up picking up issue one at school, trading it. I'll never forget to this day. I traded it for a set of Three's Company television show trading cards. Okay. I don't know if you ever Three's watched Company. The, I don't yeah, know if you I know watched, what Three's yes. Company is. Okay, yeah, Jack oh. Tripper. Yes, so I traded yeah. my Three's Company trading cards for issue one, wow. and I did some other trading of other stuff to get issues uh, three and four. Now, issue two was hot. That was one. That was a holy grail back in the day. You could not get an issue two anywhere, and it was it was just difficult. It was about a year later. I spent the summer with my grandmother. And she knew I was really into G.I. Joe as a kid. And she, we, she's like, well, let's go to a comic book store. And I'm like, oh, a comic book shop? Really? So she sent me to there. And I'm telling you, it was like a, a moment frozen in time. I'll never forget. I walked in there. And I go to look at this guy. And I'm telling you, the guy looked like Tim Allen from, uh, what is that, uh, that Christmas movie he did. You know, overweight, but Tim Allen. Okay? The Santa Claus. The Santa Claus, Okay. The guy's like, oh, I have issue number two. And there it was. I'm telling you, to this day, I could still hear the angels sing when I saw that <laughs> up on the wall. Okay? There it was, issue number two, the hardest Holy Grail comic at the time to get. And, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm telling you, it was like, I can remember that so vividly. I'm, you know, wearing my white pants with my, you know, trout-colored shirt. <laughs> you know, it just like, oh, my gosh, this is issue number two. And I just, you know, I think my excitement was so overwhelming. My grandma's like, well, would you like me to get it for you? I'm like, well, yes. And it was $65. Awesome. 65 bucks. And she said no, right? She said yes. And What? Yes. So she bought it for me $65 back in the summer of 1983. And I actually had it, because I knew I wanted to bring this up. And so I double-checked the wages back then. Minimum wage back at that time was just over $3 an hour. Wow. For her to pick that up, that was a little bit over 20 hours worth of, you know, work. That was half a paycheck she spent to get that issue for me. You know, it it was that big and that expensive of an issue back in the day. Do you still have it? I do not, unfortunately. Oh. I wish I did. It was one of those things I regret getting rid of when I was older, but, yeah. Uh, But anyways... (laughs) Sentimental moment right yeah, there. Well, yeah, yes, yes. And uh wow, yeah. Love so this Joe. isn't this isn't gonna be a a new red skull. I need to get every issue. It's in the so, back of my head. I've always wanted to re get every issue. I've always have. I just haven't expensive. have it. You gotta finish Nick Fury first, right? Yeah, exactly. Sergeant so, Rock. It, yeah. it is on my list and and believe it or not, issue two is no longer worth sixty five dollars. <laughs> You can pick it up for around ten. Oh wow! No. <laughs> oh. Yeah, it's issue one fifty five now. That's the pricey one. Really? Why is that one the pricey one? Because it's the very last issue, and it was a very, very low print run. I want to say it was uh, like yeah. a, a five thousand issue print run or something like that. That's an interesting. I uh, that's an interesting thing. Is I remember when we were at the Valiant booth at uh, the Comic Con, um, Planet Comic Con. He was saying that the third printing 
of uh, Savage Number One was the most expensive printing of it. It's interesting how the printings go down, the the print number goes down, and that becomes the most uh, sought after yeah. one for some books. Very, uh, very yeah. interesting. It is. Yeah. No, it's like that with um, what is it? There is a fourth printing of I think it's the first uh appearance of anti-venom mm-hmm. or something like that yeah and that cover is like 200 dollars compared to like or something like that 150 200 something like that in some cases if it's graded compared to if you just get the regular first printing it's about like five dollars yeah mm-hmm. yeah it doesn't make any sense yeah but uh, other than that with gi joe the one thing you have to think about there was already a gi joe following before the comics in 1982 because there was a line of toys that started in the 50s called G.I. Joe. And those yeah. were about Barbie, Barbie doll size, you know, your, your larger things. And they can have all, th- th- those Those were the action figures back in the 50s for the boys. Mm-hmm. And it, they went strong until throughout the, the 70s. So G.I. Joe actually goes further back than you think. So I got to ask, mm-hmm. I think that I know uh, mine and Nova's, uh, but who's your favorite Joe? Billy. Billy? Yes. Okay. And Nova is yours, uh, Snake Eyes? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, mine too. <laughs> uh, I got, when I read more of it, that'll change, I'm sure. But right yeah, right now, I'm just... Digging Tommy. Uh, what's it? Storm Shadow. Storm Shadow. <laughs> now, think of, think of Billy. Okay, so you have Billy, this young boy who one day is basically brainwashed by the Baroness to kill the Cobra Commander. Goes to kill the Cobra Commander. Destro discovers what he's about to do. This is issue 33, by the way. And realizes, oh my gosh, Cobra Commander's son is about to shoot his father. Billy is Cobra Commander's son. And oh so Cobra Commander, obviously, like, what kind of son are you? Blah, 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 blah. You know, there was a recon- trying to reconnect, but it didn't work out. So Snake Eyes and Storm Shadow basically took it upon themselves to do a, to train Billy. And there's a lot of great storyline with Billy and how he became a ninja through the teachings of Snake Eyes. And this one was Storm Shadow. That's cool. Yeah. Well... Um, I guess I, I know what I'm going to be unfortunately trying to read now because of you, <laughs> Red Skull. I think if there's ever been a time to, um, I don't know, work on a series on comicsology, mm-hmm. I think this is the time to make that move for G.I. Yeah. Joe. That's going to be my, yeah. uh, my sole G.I. Joe. We got the hero. classics on there for 99 cents an issue. It's not bad. Yeah. Not even No, on that's sale. not bad at all. Yeah. And it's a it's it's a good read, a really good read. I recommend it highly to anybody. So, all right, I'm off my soapbox of GI Joe. <laughs> now you you've got me interested. Cool. Hey, then you know what? I I I feel good now. I at least got one person you know interested in it. So, other than that, what have you guys been reading this week, Rusty? Let's start with you, man. Okay, so I have. Before I get to it, I, I read the new Cable book, and it is actually pretty good. Like, the art is pretty decent. Um, it left me with enough mystery at the end of it to want to figure out what's going on in issue two. And so far, I haven't seen another X-Men in it. So, good so far. Solid. Um, but beyond that, I... Uh, let me see here. I have a pile of... Uh, I read almost all of these this week. 
I Whoa, read that's the most I've ever seen you read in one week. No, no yeah. offense, but I was like, oh wow. Yeah. Like, so I mean, what were you saying, Nova? I was gonna say, how much caffeine did you consume this week? <laughs> um, I don't know, a lot of coffee, but <laughs> um, Rusty, yeah, I read. I take my hat off to you. <laughs> Thanks. Um, I read Cable, and I mean, just from the cover, I know. I don't know if y'all can really. I see it, but yeah, yeah. it's a good cover. Yeah, it's pretty. So- yeah, it's it a good is, cover. It is, it's a um, cover. Red Thanos with uh, the new Thanos that came out with his Thanos cancer stuff, and um, the issue was just sad. It was him stuck on Titan, trying to get by and survive with no powers because he's like basically mortal again. And mm-hmm. um, it even went as far as a scene where he was trying to kill some kind of rodent for food uh, because he couldn't. He had nothing else to eat and stuff. And um, he comes across some other scavengers who end up kicking his ass, basically. They even steal his helmet. And, um, yeah. And uh, until, uh, what is it? The person you wouldn't think, but uh, Star Fox comes out of nowhere and is like, all right, we need you. So I'm still saying that it's only going to be a matter of time before he steals the Phoenix from Thane. And we'll see what happens. Uh, Another thing... Well, do you have any questions about Thanos, Nova? I was just quickly going to ask when uh, Jeff Lemire's done writing that book. I have no idea. I haven't heard anything of it of it ending anytime soon. I mean, they've swapped the artist, I think, once, but that's it. It's on issue uh, seven now. So it's still trotting along. It's only a book month. Right, what else? But um, yeah, beyond that, the new man thing. They made Netflix jokes in an alternate dimension mm. where they don't even, I don't think, have TV. So I, it made no sense to me. I'm like, what are you doing? R.L. Stein, please stop. Um, but the Chamber of Chill story was really good. And it was actually more of like, a like because I've been saying the Man Thing stories have been like kind of for like a smaller audience or like a younger audience or whatever. Chamber of Chills this time was pretty gruesome. Um, it was about fake werewolf attacks. And I mean, if you want to go and read it, it... it it was pretty good. Um, I don't know if y'all have been ke- keeping up with Ben Riley at all. No, with really Scarlet no. Spider. No, it's all right. It's only issue two, but eh, it could be better. And now I didn't get to talk about this with you last week, Nova. But um, Hal Jordan, Green Lanterns, are you caught up yet? No, I'm not. Sorry, man. No. Tell me about it. Yeah. So Just real quick, like it's the. It's the end of the arc for this story or whatever, and um, there's this guy named Sarko, I think it is. I don't know if he's been in Green Lantern stories before. Y'all are going to have to tell me. No? What's his name? Sarko? I don't know, man. No? Sounds- okay. Well. Yeah, go ahead. But anyways, um, comes from the future with Rip um, to get the gauntlet, Green Lantern gauntlet thing. I'm just yeah. like, what is this? And... Um, Hal takes it and rips it in half, basically. And there's no more gauntlet now. It's in two pieces. And um, they they uh, put it in a containment thing. But I guess uh, Kyle learns about the future a little bit and what his family tree is like. And um, after they kill the Sarko guy, you find out that uh, it was Kyle's son from the future. Mm. Yeah, but it's crazy because if you see what the kid looks like, you'll know who the mom was, but I'm not going to tell you that, so. Ugh. And then, I don't know if you, I mean, I guess everything else 
really wasn't. Did you read the new Generation X or whatever? No, I didn't read the second issue. No, I, I haven't read it yet either. No. Um, there was something that I caught up on, and I know Red Skull's going to be stoked about this, but I am caught up on Secret Empire again. Oh, okay. I mean, are we talking Secret Empire or Secret Empire with tie-ins? Uh, some tie-ins. Okay. Yeah. Uh, but most mainly the main line. Uh, Nova, did you read it this past week? I read the third issue, yeah. Okay, and he so says then we can all yawn. talk about it. <laughs> we can talk about it a little bit then. Um, bef- I just want to bring up that it's weird that there is like second Steve Rogers running around mm-hmm. acting so nonchalant about things, yeah. but he looks like old as hell. And still buff, kind of old, but as they talk about it, he only remembers the basics. He doesn't remember everything. Uh, questions are remaining. How long has he been here? We don't, or did he just kind of like show up? We don't know. Uh, I've talked with several people, and it's come really down to a lot of us thinking that, you know, the Cosmic Cube has really split his personality in half. We think this is his good half that's inside of, you know, uh, supreme emperor captain america trying to work his way out you know this issue really put a strain on the uh man captain america's butthole Mm -hmm. uh with the whole thing with uh atlantis and destroying the holy uh temples and all that yeah i was like namer is gonna kill you Mm -hmm. okay like yeah this is not gonna end well i was asking people because i i don't usually keep up with marvel but atlantis was just destroyed in infinity i know like it was like three years ago or something but wakanda Mm -hmm. and and, uh and thanos annihilated atlantis completely they just rebuilt and now cap's just like screw that let's blow it up Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, and yeah, because Supreme Leader Cap, he don't he don't play around. <laughs> yeah, um, one thing I've noticed a lot of people complaining about, and I complained about it too, is the, uh, is the artwork. Yes. I think mostly the coloring. It's just so dark. It's so mm-hmm. it's so depressing and like just it looks like dirty and blurry. Um, it's not the art quality you expect for an event yeah, of this size. Yeah, exactly, and um, with that, it's funny you guys mentioned that. Cap, the cap thing uh, the first time i read the issue i had to go back because everyone i was wondering what what happened with this cap they showed at the end of issue two and then mm-hmm. i realized i had read it in issue three and thought that that was no uh, old man logan for whatever reason <laughs> i was like I can, no I can see that, that was that was the captain america i could hardly mm-hmm. tell the difference between him and old man logan in some of those mm-hmm. panels so yeah you know what's funny is the artist is from old man logan Mm-hmm. the series yeah. so that may be an easy mix-up right there yes. especially i like the old cap look though like with mm-hmm. the sideburns and the facial hair and stuff Flat it's like top, if they got yeah. him teamed up with um if they teamed him up with old man logan uh nick fury and cable they could probably do a pretty cool space tale mm-hmm. yeah they could call it seniors uh, seniors in space yeah right yeah, seniors. <laughs> I'm still the waiting for mission. that. Would sell. Written by Chip. <laughs> Written by Sorry, Chip. That would be good. So, what do you oh. think of the last page of issue three? That's um, that page. As soon as I saw that, I just knew. All right, they're gonna get a cube or something. Turn it all back, and everything's gonna be fine. Because as soon as um, I guess we can talk about it. It's been like what a week and two weeks. At this It'll point? be a week and a half now. Yeah. 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 So they showed Punisher hailing Hydra. Um, as soon as you have Punisher not being Punisher, 
you just know the story is going to go back to status quo after because it's not mm-hmm. something it's got it's magic at that point you're not going to get yeah. frank to seriously care about hydra yeah so i mean that lost mm-hmm. me i saw that and i was like is this really frank this has got to be someone else <laughs> but i have to say though his shirt the punisher symbol with the hydra tentacles around it yeah, i cool. thought that was actually pretty cool the way it was drawn out but really you see yeah. you already see how this whole story is going to end up you know concluding and it's disappointing yeah. already but uh, yes, no, that, I think was, that um, a lot of weird things are going to come out of this just because, uh, like I said, in that U.S. Avengers thing, we saw Thanos with like a it looked like a cosmic cube glove almost. Mm-hmm. And then also in the Jean Grey series right now, they're talking about the Phoenix is coming back to Earth. And oh. if Thane is the Phoenix and Thanos is probably going to try and get it from him, I wonder if Thanos is going to be end up being the Phoenix coming to Earth and then. Who knows? You Maybe know we get an overpowered cosmic cube wearing phoenix. You know what that yeah. sounds like? The next event. Yeah, all right. <laughs> well, they did say it was going to be 18 months until the next event. Yeah, right. Yeah. So, uh, so do you guys read Secret Empire Uprising number one at all this week? This last week? I haven't gotten to I it. Tried. No, I tried. Yeah. And you know what? And then again, it was a kind of a letdown. It was really the, I was I was really they had such a build up to it. And I'm just like, oh, okay, yeah, all right, next. You know, this week was, I'm telling you, it was really not too great. Deadpool issue 31. You know, another Secret Wars tie-in. Pretty much, we knew the, what was going to happen because they revealed all of this in, through panels already, through Secret Empire um, Spotlight. All we, basically, you know, Deadpool kills uh, Agent Coulson. Okay, and that was it. A whole issue just to get that one panel. Wow. Uh Captain America, Sam Wilson, issue number 22. Again, uh, it was just... Okay, I'm telling you, the first six pages was, where were you when Hydra took over? Where were you when Hydra took over? I'm just like, really, guys? Yeah. I, I know, heard they... it's um, it's really... Uh, th- that book especially has just been like Nick Spencer giving off his political agenda. That's what I've heard. I haven't read mm-hmm. it, but... It, it was... And I'm telling you, it was... I was it was a letdown. It really was a letdown. And I, I'm telling you, you know, I love going. Oh, I when I read it, I also want to look at the art. I pay attention to everything that's going on, and they have this nice big full page panel of Sam Wilson holding on to a trash can lid like it was a shield. Right, you know, it's like right in the middle. You can tell he's holding on to it from the yeah. inside, and you can see the handle of the trash can lid on the outside. How in the hell is he oh, holding on to this no. like a shield? Uh, yeah no. i'm just like come on guys the details the details yeah. it's tw- in, in this day and age i mean can't get away with that lifefield can apparently get away with a earless unicorn yeah, so yeah. deformed i guess so yeah, yeah. then other than that there was dr strange number 21 again it was like really guys you know the whole issue basically just the only important thing was you know, Wilson Fisk ended up saving our guys at the end of it. It was just another crap issue. With well, you know, I have this philosophy or this theory of philosophy, I guess, with these tie-in issues. If you think about it, a lot of these issues that they're trying to tie into it have a totally different story going mm-hmm. on. Yeah. Whatever these writers that had the idea for their original story, they probably weren't thinking, "Oh, I'm gonna have to tie this into it somehow." Yeah. So then they're like, "All right, let me rush through this yeah. as quick as possible so I can just get back to my next uh, issue that's gonna make sense." Yeah, you know? and that's what these felt like. These all felt 
Rush. I mean, I've at least thought with Sam Wilson, Captain America, Spencer would have done a better job tying this all in into Secret Empire. But, no, nah, it was... I'm, way, yeah. I'm, I'm also, maybe you guys will disagree, but I think Secret Empire is a good example of too many people, like too many characters in an event. I understand mm-hmm. it's supposed to affect the whole universe, but there's so many different plot. There's the Guardians in space with um, Captain Marvel. You get like two pages there. Atlantis, you get a page. It's just all these things, but you only get a single page. And at the end of it yeah. all, it's like, well, what really progressed? What really changed in this mm-hmm. issue? What did I just read about? Um, and again, the artwork, I couldn't tell who half the people were. Unless they were in full costume, there was like a mm-hmm. few pages of people in hoodies. I was like, who, who, like, who's talking here? I don't, unless yeah. they say the name, yeah. I don't know who's talking. Mm-hmm. Um, and then on yeah. top of that, things like uh, uh, the Deadpool issue. That was supposed to take place before Secret Empire issue number zero. I mean, really? and they brought it out at the same time. Yes, it even tells you, that, you know, that there's even a, 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 the very front page here, they have, a you know, the little baby Deadpool breaking the fourth wall and it says, oh, and this takes place before Secret Empire number zero, whatever that is. Just like, oh, that makes it, that makes it all better. I will say one really cool thing that I saw in this issue, though, for Secret Empire 3 was... Uh, they're like, well, we can't tell them where we're going because if they knew, they would just turn around. And then Hank Pym is just mm. sitting there waiting with the forum when Jarvis is like, no, let them in. Let's welcome them. Yeah. No, that was that was cool. But it was well, it was a letdown for the most part, honestly. There was some foreshadowing in it a little mm-hmm. bit too. Um Pimtron? Did you ever find out what what, what? Ultra Pimtron? That's what I'm well, no, because that's already happened. That was in Rage, and then he popped up in Uncanny <laughs> Avengers, and they fought him. And, oh, really? Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but some of the foreshadowing that I saw was that, uh, I guess, what was it? The Young Avengers or whatever are in the Danger Room or whatever thing. Mm-hmm. And uh, they sit there, and they're like, well, what are you going to do when the moment's there? And you just have to kill someone. You have to decide. Oh, yeah, are yeah. you going to kill one beast or 100 people? You know what I mean? <laughs> mm-hmm. And uh, me and Nova, I think. Nova, I think you're catching my drift yeah, on yeah, that. Yeah, I remember that. I know what you're talking about. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I'm glad you still don't know yet, Red. But, um, yeah, there's some major foreshadowing right there. And then that just leads me to believe that that uh, solicit we saw for issue five or six or whatever is probably going to be true mm-hmm. well here's the problem also with that whole you know four page pan uh, uh pages about you know the young avengers in the danger room this issue dropped at the same time as secret empire uprising issue number one mm-hmm. the team is away split up doing other things and then they put this in it, there's no uh continuity of the story between the two issues <clears throat> and uh they said that uprising was supposed to be read after three right between three and four or is it between two and three uh it was uh, honestly be probably between three and four but yeah it just to, to make it flow better i guess maybe it's between pages 20 uh 14 and 16 of three and then yeah. you read about half of uprising <laughs> then and then when four comes out read the second half of uprising halfway through as well yeah i don't know yeah who knows man it's too it's too many books too many tie-ins it's it's just mm-hmm. too much of everything and um, glad, the marvel team is not talking to each other they're just not oh yeah for sure no there's too many moving parts yeah there is 
but enough of Empire. Michael, what have you been reading this week? Oh, what have I been reading this week? Um, wow, crickets. Yeah, I don't. <laughs> I haven't read too much. Um, I read some. This title called "The Massive" by Brian Wood. I don't know if you guys have heard of it. It's about this like pacifist environmentalist team at you know when, when the world's pretty much come to a crushing end, and they're sort of aboard this. Uh, navy cruise ship called um the massive just going on these weird missions it's a good book uh i like brian wood aside from that i read some uh i read these really odd french comics uh, i remember sending you guys pictures. yeah they're they're like they're in english but they're by a, a french or norwegian dude someone in europe uh and they're really fun they're just really weird and depressing stories but uh, at the same time pretty interesting Oh, and Judge Dredd. I don't know why. I just wanted to read some Judge Dredd. Mm-hmm. Hell yeah, Judge Dredd That's is cool. fun. I went back and I went back and did some random Spawn reading uh, last week, and uh, I've also been reading that um, uh, that Spider Man story. I was trying to get y'all to check out. I know Tap's been reading it, but I don't know if you were Nova. No, well, two fifty two and on. Yeah. <clears throat> oh, you know what? You know why I haven't been reading that much this week is because I was playing that uh, Batman Telltale game. Either of you guys played that yet? Oh, now I'm familiar no. with, but I haven't played it. No, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, oh, I, I Jake's really into it. I powered through that this week. It was on sale on um, on Xbox, so I just bought it, powered through it. Got uh, the Walking Dead seasons to do next. Bought those as well. Should be interesting. It was fun. Cool. It was fun. You need to get the Friday the Thirteenth game, and then I can get it. Oh Me and you God. can uh, play each other. Yeah, I don't we can know run away I, from. Uh, I'd have a heart. We can attack run away from Jason Voorhees together. <laughs> <laughs> I'd have a heart attack playing that game. So looks like we covered everybody here. The only person, of course, tapped didn't make it, but he will tell you he's been reading Valiant. <laughs> of course, uh, we, he would also tell you that this week he picked up uh, the Omnis for uh, Classic XO and Archer and Armstrong and classic quantum and woody and he'll also tell you that he picked up uh, the return of quantum and woody as well yeah. so and he would and i'll quote him a direct line message that he said you know dude i love valiant i've never loved a published so much before their stuff is great like if valiant had a cock i would probably go down on it so <laughs> there you go <laughs> a direct quote from our tap yeah <laughs> that'll so, be uh he, that'll be on the back of some uh trade paperbacks i'm sure <laughs> so as he would say if he were here read more valiant yeah (laughs) so that being said i think it's time to probably wrap things up and go ahead and make a call to a interview what do you guys say you ready let's do it all right let's pick up that phone Welcome, everyone, to the interview portion of our show. Today, I have the pleasure of talking with Nikki So. Nikki, how are you doing today? I'm doing good. This is great. Fantastic. It's nice. Yeah, we had a chance to talk at uh, Tidewater Comic Con. Yeah, we met in Virginia, and it's been like two weeks. Yeah. It's been oh, more than that. I, I, I forgot about time because being on the road for so long. Mm-hmm. You've been doing a lot of Comic Cons in between the last two weeks, I take it, huh? 
Yeah, so after Tidewater, I think uh, I was at Motor City. So I went to, it was near in Michigan. Mm-hmm. So then the next week after that, which was last week, I was at Phoenix. So in fact, this week is my con break, like convention break, uh, because tomorrow is my birthday. Oh, <laughs> and then, yeah, happy, yeah. Happy early birthday. Thank you. Thank you, guys. And then uh, next week, my um, third con season for the year will kickstart again. Then I'll be on the road for another two months straight, week by week. Yeah. God. What's that like? It's got to be tough. Yeah, but you got to do what you got to do. You know, yeah. like this is this is the first year I've been doing so many convention shows. So, yeah, last year I just came back to the States. So uh, and I did seven shows. So this year I'm planning twenty. So there's about nine more to go. Mm-hmm. Now you're from yeah. Singapore, correct? Yes, so, I'm from Singapore. So now yeah. do you do any uh, shows and things out there in Singapore promoting your stuff? No, unfortunately, there's nothing there. That's why I came to the states. Well, there's a big show. It's called Singapore Comic Con, and it's actually taken over by Reed Pop, mm-hmm. um, who is the same team that does New York Comic Con, Emerald City, and you know, C2E2, etc. Mm-hmm. So uh, I actually came to the States to study in 2010 or 11. Can't remember the dates. Yeah, I was studying here for four years, then I hit back to do some work because I was sponsored by the government. I'm actually a scholar. Mm-hmm. So once the term was done, then I flew back here to the States. So now I'm based here in New Jersey. Ah, oh, cool. Well, that's a good location, I guess, close to New York, uh, where you can get a lot of stuff in. Yeah, I guess, but it's so cold. You know, I'm coming from Southeast Asia. It's just oh, I've been to Singapore a couple of times, so yeah, it's a quite a bit of difference, isn't it? Yeah, we only have one one season, which is the warm season, so it's <laughs> just really tough. Yeah, I I can't take the heat, but just the cold is just brutal for me. But I I like it here. I like it in New Jersey. Um, the place I stay at is called Paramus. It's near to um New York not too far and it's kind of like quiet here like not a lot of folks which is why like i mean i stay home at work yeah i've uh, yeah. i live in canada so i know i know a lot about the cold <laughs> dealing with i know it. right yeah like last two weeks ago when i was in uh moto city comic con at uh michigan the people were complaining about the weather like it could be raining or very cold in the morning and then very hot at night like the weather would fluctuate so drastically which is something you don't get in southeast asia you just can't have you you will never experience that so i think there's some fun to it but yeah cold just gets me i i love the warm (laughs) now you're obviously going around um for a reason you're going to these cons for a reason um so why don't you let the good folks out there know about your uh your independent book rock mary rock yes so yeah so i i um I'm a indie comic creator, and then so I work on this comic called um, Rock Mary Rock, which I started from last year. Been working on this, so basically, um, it actually started out as a web comic, and I put the plugs really early. Um, and then we can talk about that. I, I put the plugs really early because I figured like if if I want to put it on as a web comic, it would take about two to three years typically. For, for a web, web comic to flourish and gain some fans. And I just, just couldn't wait, you know, I, I wanna see real results. So I pulled the plug and took it down and went straight to self-publishing. So right now I'm at uh, the fourth issue and going on issue five. 
So I'm in fact planning for Kickstarter really soon, about in two or three months later, um, to publish the last two issues for the first season. So I'll have a trade. So I've been going around conscious selling the comics itself. Um, well, I was going to say, you know, going along with like you starting this comic now, what are some of the hurdles that you've had to overcome uh, to get where you are? Well, just um, this is just really tough. You know, as a an indie comic creator, you always want to think about like the possibilities like, oh, I, I think I have a good story. You know, someone's going to publish it. But it's never that easy. So so the first option that I, I really went to was just to do a web comic because obviously, you know, I want to gain some fans and then slowly I've, I have some pages I could send to yeah. publishers. But I've tried a couple of times and unfortunately, um, the story is just too big and it's not typically um, the, the publishers that I wish to publish with. It's, it's not something they're looking at it like... Um, so I'll just have to do it on my own. And it, it was a big risk, like a huge risk to invest your own money in it because you're you're putting your your everything into this thing that you believe in. And then what if you go to a convention and nobody buys your book? And it it's not a lot of money, like per issue. I'm I'm competing with like people who who's like we were just talking about saga, you know, all these great comic books and issues coming out every single month. I don't even know how they do it. And then they sell like a dollar ninety-nine, some like three dollars ninety-nine. I'm going to shows and selling mine at five. Like it's a miracle that people are buying. So I'm really thankful for um, what I have going for me and just uh, the conventions has been treating me really, really well. So I used to go to conventions when I was in um I studied, I studied in uh, Savannah College of Art and Design, SCAD, that's in Savannah, Georgia. So uh, when I was studying in SCAD, I, I majored in sequential art, and we used to go to a lot of comic conventions, and we would just do commissions and stuff. So I have been going to conventions, so it's not something that's like uh, out of the way or strange for me. The, the difference is right now I'm just going there specifically to sell my own comic books and that's the only difference because I used to do like fan arts and commissions and now it's just mainly your own product. So I, I'm really thankful because I think my situation is really unique. Like the fans has been really, really supportive and it took me, I think about three shows to uh, convince myself that, oh, I, I can keep doing this. So right now, um, including last year, I'm already at my 18th show like one eight eighteen show wow. so i'm still going i'm not i'm not making like thousands or whatever you know i'm just making by with some of the savings that i have from singapore when i was working and it's been it's been very encouraging because every show it keeps increasing encouraging enough for me to keep going right now very cool. that's, that's great cool. to hear yeah because you know you said you said again that you've been doing this for a, uh, a year is that was that what you mentioned yeah, so so last year was the first year that I came back to the States and really put my foot and say, okay, I'm going to do this thing. I'm going to print the books. I'm just going to go to conventions and sell. And after the first three shows, then I would decide where I, I go from there. So, But um, before that, I've been going to cons before when I was studying in SCAD, but I've never go to a con just to sell comics. It's, it's a real hustle because you really have to get your name out there when people walk by your table you really mm. i mean i don't do cat calling but i would say hi and whatnot so you have to like try and learn like 
what's the um, fine line between, you know, getting people to your table or like catcalling someone. Yeah. It's a really tough struggle and nobody knows what your comic is. So nothing is given. It's, it's, it's been tough, but it's been very, very rewarding. No, it's very commemorative because you think about the fact that you've been doing this a year. You already have five issues out and you've been through 18 cons. That is a lot to get done within a 12-month yeah. period. And that's more than I've seen from some of uh, the bigger names in the industry. So the, you're working hard, obviously. And I think you're going to be seeing the fruits of the labor pretty soon, if not already. Yeah, I try. I try. I mean, like the fans been keeping me really, really motivated. I've, I'm trying to write faster and draw faster. Now, obviously, um, yeah. I don't do the entire book on my own because I take side gigs. Like last year in New York Comic Con, I got some small gigs from Adventure Time, from Boom Studios. So um, the colors is by this amazing artist. It's also a friend called Jeremy Lawson. Mm -hmm. He does amazing colors. He has work on press, um, Batman, like he colors for Batman stuff, Suicide Squad. He's just an amazing friend and I pay him for it. So in order to take my load off, because I've I have to go to so many shows. He colors the book, and I pay him for it, and I'm very thankful for that. Yeah, that's cool. That's great. You know, it's um, you know, it's a good idea if you want to get people to your uh, booth is just play some '60s, uh, some '60s rock. Yeah. Learn how to. Do you know how to play guitar by any chance? You could <laughs> yeah, just, yeah, uh... I do. I do actually know how to play guitar, and that that was also the reason why I created this book. Because you know, like. You, you read a lot of comic about music, but they don't actually talk about music, right? So, like, that, that was my frustration. And also, there's there's a bigger story behind creating this story. So, I don't know if you guys remember the pitch that I had, like, um, or maybe I can go through the pitch on the show. Yeah, do it. Yeah, yeah. do it. Yeah. So, Rock Mary Rock is actually a story about a young girl who accidentally awakens a ghost from the 60s. And the ghost is like a legendary rock star that died really young. So now in order for the rock star to leave her and move to the afterlife, she has to become a rock legend. But she's like, man, I, I, don't, I don't like music. So the deal is every time she grabs a guitar, the ghost plays through her hands. And there's like battles, adventure, friendship, whatnot. But at the essence of the story, I do talk about music and pursuing your dream because I do play the guitar. So unlike a lot of music comic, um, the readers who read the, the Rock Man Rock and they, when they come back to shows and talk to me, they, they're always like, oh, I feel like I know how to play the guitar because you actually talk about the elements. Like um, there's a scene in issue four where one of the guitarists is figuring out why the other guitarist plays so fast. And then we go through a small dialogue of him thinking, oh, it's because of the hand movements and whatnot. So I, I really wanted to create a comic that is like fun and, you know, the usual stuff, battles and whatnot. But I, I wanted the readers to grow and also understand how, how, how it means to become a musician because... I was that young kid that really wanted to become a rock star, but but couldn't. You know, like every parent, like, nah, you're not gonna make a living out of this. So that was like a comic book reason. artist. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, and now, yeah, it's the same thing. I'm a comic book artist, and you know, typical stuff. You know, parents do say like, "Why are you doing this? Just get a regular job." So, so that was the real motivation. I I want to put something out there that's meaningful for the readers. So I got to ask you in this story: Are you? Mary, or are you Rock at Maxel? Uh, I'm a little actually, bit of both. <laughs> I'm actually both. Yeah, okay. I am because, uh, yeah, it's it it has something close to me. So my backstory was, um, I I was actually in the army. 
in Singapore, we have a conscript army. So meaning when uh, every male citizen, they get into the age of 18, they have to enroll into the army. They can defer, but they, they ha we have to do service, like national service. So I was in the army for four years. And then um, I was the sole breadwinner for the family. So after four years, when my contract was up, I really want to get back to drawing because that's what I studied in school. And it was a huge uh, dilemma. So what happened was I, I did sales. I was a financial consultant. So I figured like, oh, if I do sales, I can control my own timing and I can draw and also make money. And I was doing so well that at the age of 27, I decided to not do art anymore. There was one convention I went to. It's not even a convention. It's like a, it's like a show. Like this company called Massive Black, they organize this really expensive show full of like superstars, like that draws for a Batman or the concept art. I was like, oh man, I'm gonna go to this show and see if I can still draw. And when I went to the show, I, I felt completely embarrassed because the students that went to the show was so good. I felt like, man, I should just do sales since I'm doing so well. Right when I came back from New Zealand from that show, I decided that I'm just going to do sales because I've been doing insurance for so good for the past two years. I, my godmother passed away. So I, I didn't get to see my godmother uh, during her last, last hours and that really shook my life. And I immediately dropped everything and told myself that I want to get back into art. So Rock My Rock actually has a story tied into my godmother because she would always ask me like what do you want to do when you grow up and i feel like it's something that i didn't really address because at the back of my mind i knew i really wanted to draw and i didn't go with it in fact i went for money because i was the sole breadwinner of the family at that time so that that was the reason why i created this story part of this story at least so yeah well it's good you get to pursue your uh, comic dreams now yeah yeah i'm I'm really happy, you know, and, and along the way, a lot of people help me out, you know, like, yeah. uh, you know, everyone that I see meet in the convention. So yeah. I have to ask, uh, you know, whenever you first started getting into comic art and sequential art and stuff, um, who were some artists that you looked up to that kind of like gave you the motivation to keep going? Oh, man, when I first went into comic and I was in the States, I had I, I haven't read a lot of um English comics or American comics, like the only publisher that I knew of was Scholastic and First Second, because I'm very indie. So I, I read Kazuki Buishi and who does Amulet and, you know, the flight anthologies. He's a very indie guy. He's like a, right. yeah, he's like a guy to look up to. And I've been buying all his comics all these while. So it was a great culture shock when I went to school and started drawing because Everyone else was doing mainstream comics. I was I was the odd one out. Oh, I was one of the few oddballs, odd you know. But um, it was actually very encouraging. Like my professors in SCAD, they would always say, like, you know, you you do you. Whatever stories you like, it's mainly about the story. So I'm glad they, they didn't tilt me towards, you know, like when you go to some school, they would say, like, oh, you shouldn't draw in this way because you should draw mainstream. You should draw Spider-Man, especially, you know, it's a comics program. But... SCAT didn't have that. So that was very, very encouraging. And just looking at the amount of indie creators that, that have made it, you know, so really motivated me. And, you know, after every year, I would pick up more casual books 
and then slowly I get into like Marvel or DC and then you read the Greg Coppola stuff, Scott Snyder, American Vampires, you go like, wow, this is so good. So yeah, I, I'm, I'm just blessed to be here, I think, because if I were still back in Singapore, the amount of stuff we would be exposed to would just be manga. I mean, there's comic shops, but people don't really, you know, in Asia, people, or at least my friends, like we, we don't read a lot of like American comics. Uh, like I would never have the opportunity to read like first, second books or get to know them unless I search on the web, you know, like no, nobody would share this with you or let you know, like there's so many different stuff out there. So that's what kept me moving and drawing. Yeah. Now you mentioned before you had a Kickstarter coming up soon. Yes. So that would be for um, the next two issues. And so I've been funding Rock Man Rock on my own, um, you know, paying the uh, the colorists and then printing the books. But the next two issues is going to wrap up the first trade for my book, Rock Man Rock, the season one, which is six issues and a lot of behind the scenes. So for this big one, I, I feel like I, I really want to do a really good trade. So in a couple of months, I will be preparing a uh, Kickstarter once the next two issues is almost done inking. Yeah, so it's actually for the, the first trade that I have. And I'm really excited because it's going to be like 160 pages. And I've never done 160 pages comic, you know, like I've worked on gigs, you know, Adventure Time, like four pages story. But 160 pages is like, wow. And that's like a milestone, so I'm really excited for that. That's cool. Well, you let us know when that starts cool. off, and uh, we'll help get the word out for you. All right. Thank yeah, you, guys. Absolutely. Thank you so much. Yeah. Now, yeah. Um, you mentioned it's season one. Does that mean season two is uh, st- is that storm brewing in your head? Yeah, so I actually have the entire story laid out, and when I first sent out my pitch package, I think it was too scary because it was like seven or eight volumes. I think I I scare off all my potential buyers or maybe there wasn't any you know like this has always been a really really big story and i have the entire arc it's just i really need the time to tell the story so season one is gonna wrap up and then it's gonna give the readers a glimpse like oh why did this accident happen is it by chance that the girl awakens a legendary rock star and why didn't this legendary rock star move to the afterlife like what's What's the meaning behind this? Like, like why are they both connected? So season one, in fact, the next two issues, five and six, is going to wrap up the first season nicely that if I have a trade and people want to pick it up, they could like get a glimpse at of what this book is about, the story. Now, do you have an, uh, yeah, an idea sure. of how far this is going to be going? Is it indefinite or do you have like at least three, four seasons in, in the back of your mind? What's no, the future there's, there's... of Rock Mary Rock? There's definitely an ending to this because okay. when I first sent off the pitch, um, the pitch package that I had was um, the last issue of Rock Man Rock. So I definitely have an in mind for this entire story. Right now, I think it's going to be easily at least five volumes, five seasons easily, which uh, that's like at least 30 issues. Yeah, minimum. So it can get bigger. I'm trying not to because I... I'm trying to cut off the unnecessary stuff, but every time you try that and you write the stories and dialogue, there's like so many things that is important to the story that would give a glimpse to all this perspective. And because I come from Singapore and we, we are like a multiracial country, 
there, there's a need for me to address a lot of issues and and especially like right now like so so when i was in singapore like i'm a chinese so we i was like a majority and then right now when i'm in the states i'm like a minority so having him on both sides there's a lot of interesting things i want to write into the comic like how do you know black guitarists or like african americans or japanese how, how do they feel about society or like like female guitarists how do they feel people being treated or even people who are handicapped you know like how how do they feel about the the kind of feelings they have and what it would affect the society so it, it, there's a lot of story inside rock may rock that I think it might go beyond five books, to be honest. Yeah. Or extra content in the end of all, all the, <laughs> for the graphic novels, right? Yeah. yeah, extra content. I, I just have a close friend that knows the entire story and I try to bounce off of him to do corrections because obviously I don't have an editor. I, I, I don't have enough money to pay for one. I would hope so with the Kickstarter. And then he gives a lot of like fun ideas. And one of the ideas he was talking about is like, oh, maybe when you finish the series, you can do a separate story about Rock, you know, what he was like when he was really young, when he, how he started out becoming like a legend and died so young, you know, like there's a lot of fun stuff in there and a lot of side characters that I think people would fall in love with. He was a young boy yeah, we, who, who found a guitar that made him a legend. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Young boy who played a, a hitless guitar. Yeah, that yeah. might be it. Might be it. Yeah. So, when I got... Oh, go ahead, Nova. That's no big deal. It's all you. No, go... Okay, fine. So, you know, since this is all really just music-based and stuff, I have to ask then, who's your favorite music artist or what's mm-hmm. your favorite band? Yeah, I want to know the same. Oh man, the first the first guitar the the first piece of music that I played was uh, Enter Sandman by Metallica. Oh, God, Metallica. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to see Metallica yeah. in two weeks. Oh, oh I've seen them in concert. Oh, they are yeah. awesome. They really are awesome. Uh, yeah, so. they are. They are one of the best. Like you know, who would have guessed? And then, so I, I've listened to so many Metallica, and then uh, after that, it starts off from you know pop songs and whatever you know boys you gotta do pop songs to get the girls it's the usual stuff growing up i was really young i think i was like um 13 or 14 years old back then and then i yeah slowly you know you play and then you get into a band and i was in in a band for a long while and i was really serious about it so serious that i went to vocal school in singapore yeah i went to learn vocal so Right now, it's just casual. I go to karaoke and whatnot, but um, I play more like casual music, like pop stuff, mm-hmm. nothing fancy, and a couple of J-rock, like Japanese rock. So I have a lot of influence from, you know, like Japanese rock and the older stuff. Yeah. Very cool. That answer your question, Red? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, was, no, I, was, I was curious myself, you know, what were some of those musical influences? Yeah. Do you guys play music by any chance? Um, I, um, yeah. yeah. You go first, Red. Your list may be longer than mine. I don't know. <laughs> My main instrument is the cello, but I will play, <laughs> dabble with the string bass, the violin, viola, and a little bit of the uh, piano. Oh, violin. Wow. Yeah. Never uh-huh. tried that. I think it's so difficult. People who can play the violin and strings just tough. Yeah, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a classical strings kind of guy. Yeah, see, that was the same thing with me. As uh, I was an orchestra from 10, the age of 10, until I was... 22 and um i played bass and cello piano uh a little violin 
Um, but I played in a lot of rock bands and stuff too. I played um, bass guitar in uh, many, bass. many different bands. Yeah, I did that for a long period of my life. Whenever I was a, a music major in school. Wow, that's twelve years. You're really good. Yeah, bass. Bass is really bass. tough. I remember <laughs> playing a lot of RHCP, you know, Red Hot Chili Peppers, and then sometimes oh, yeah. Muse. My bassist would say, "No, not this song, because it's too tough." Yeah, I remember <laughs> that. Yeah. And then just the double pedals on the drums. Yeah, I miss those days playing band. It's it's tough, you know, when you grow up. Some some stuff you gotta give, you know. No, that's what ends up happening. Nova, do you play anything? I've never even known if you do or don't. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I played piano for about like 14 years or so. What? Wow. Uh, okay. <laughs> I didn't. So are you like in... classically trained? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It. Um... I, I, it's, I still play once in a while, but it's not that uh, not that common for me. And then in high school, I started playing guitar as well, but that didn't go very far. I was too ambitious. I was trying to get into heavy metal right away. Wow. Same thing with like Enter Sandman, trying to play um, some Black Sabbath and stuff, and it just it didn't go very far. <laughs> guitar is hard, man. Yeah. Oh now, my I, god! I remember guitar. in high school, I used to carry my uh, guitar with me almost every day to school. Me, and my buddy, and I'll tell you it picked up chicks crazy play little oh, yeah. <laughs> no play some john denver and you just get down you know it's just like oh yeah, yeah see, everyone's played a guitar once in a while right yeah, yeah. everyone yeah. i met at shows is they can always relate like oh i've i've at some point they wanted to pick up a guitar or they have picked up a guitar yeah like for me it's uh, unfortunate like i really want to do music but my family's poor so i pick up the piano actually way later like when i was like 25 or 27 but i was learning like pop piano i even bought a stand-up i eventually gave that away to my cousin and i think he has more use than than i have so i'm when i ever i see a classical train pianist i'm always like oh man there's so much work to the fingering just the discipline i wish i've done that but you know i'm way past my age so i now i use the knowledge for the book only yeah, that piano gave me anxiety because I used to have to go to like uh, recitals and stuff. Mm -hmm. Oh my oh, god! Yeah, I was it dying up there, sweating bullets. You mess up, you mess up one note, and you just stumble and just fall into this. Oh my god, it was bad. It was oh, bad. Was, one of the things those. I hated the most was during college <laughs> when I was a before I switched over to broadcasting. Is um, for three years in a row, like at the ever end of every semester, you had to perform some kind of piece in front of the entire music school, and that included all your prof professors, the heads, the student body, oh everything. And that would make me so nervous every year because I would always feel like I was last minute trying to find a piece to play that I knew I could get through the whole thing, no problem. But I would, my legs would shake sometimes. I would remember that. Oh, I miss it. Yeah. I remember in high school, I was in part of a 250-piece orchestra that was comprised of three different high schools. And we performed everywhere all the time. And I miss that. I absolutely miss being in an orchestra. Just the See, feel. I miss being in a group. I don't like playing by myself in front of all those people. <laughs> yeah, playing by yourself is stress, especially at a recital. And the people who are sitting down, they know yeah. every nook and cranny. Like, they're just <laughs> eyeballing you, like, trying to feed off you. Like, oh, is he good enough? Like, it's so stressful. Yeah. It's just like going yeah. to the movie theaters, but you're the movie. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know that feeling, man. I've played a, a band too. Like it's yeah, it's it's tough. It's very tough just to play on a solo act. 
takes a lot of courage. Yeah. Yes, it does. Yeah. Now jumping back into comics, real now, quick. Um, you know, we've been doing. You've been, we've been talking. I'm sorry. <laughs> we've been, I don't know, ta- yeah. yeah okay, let, let me. Wrap. We've been talking Rock Me Rock. Is there any other um, comics that you're working on? You have in the back of your mind uh, something else we can be seen by Nikki Sal? Uh, I actually did another pitch package that I sent out. It's also a female-driven story, but um, yeah, it's still early. Like the package is out there with publishers, so it's I'm fishing it around. Yeah, so I I don't know if that one's gonna go anywhere. And if not, then there's been a couple just these past few convention, um, these past few months because. Actually, it's not even that far because MOC was in March. So from March all the way to now, almost like three months, I've met so many writers. So there's a couple of talks that I'm talking to people because I don't want to keep writing my own stuff. And then, you know, at some point, maybe I should venture out and look for like a partnership. So I'm, I'm talking to a couple of writers. Hopefully, um, I can find something different because I do um, illustrate also. I, I have a different style when I draw the illustrations. Not sure if when you guys came by, if you saw some of the uh, print that I was selling, it's like my illustration, original illustration drawing. So I'm thinking of like maybe working on that because it's slightly different looking. It's not so cartoony and it's just a little bit out there. So there's a couple of stuff I'm in talks to, but nothing concrete. Awesome. Yeah. One thing I I always hear um, creators talk about, Matt Kent said this especially, he said um, like the best way to get into a, into a publisher especially when you actually have something that you can hand to them like an actual comic book so um it's really cool that you've you've been printing these and you know selling them on the road and um hopefully that helps i mean uh, from what i've heard it does yeah, yeah, yeah Hawkins it, it does. Said the same yeah, thing. Matt, i was gonna say yeah matt said that a lot yeah this this has been really fortunate because um like like I was mentioning last year during New York Comic Con, the fact that I got a gig um, to work on Adventure Time from Boom Studios, it's purely because I had Rock Man Rock with me. I dropped two issues um, with one of the editor, and we just talked. And sometimes the tough thing about that I figure out, you know, going to like as an artist, it's more about meeting the right editor than you know yeah. looking for a publisher. Sometimes you can have the right amount of story that will fit a specific publisher. But if you meet the wrong editor, they, they won't feel anything. So a lot of it has to do with luck, but you're actually correct. You're, you're right on the money that, you know, if you have a book, it means you're more serious because you pay to make it. Like it's not a scrappy yeah. book and you finish the pages. That's, that's the commitment. So that really helped a lot. And that was my mentality going into it. Shows your dedication and commitment throughout it. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So you obviously sell these at the con. Um, where else can people buy your book? They're available on uh, Etsy, I believe. Yeah, it's also on my Etsy store. It's just uh, etsy.com slash Nikki So. Just my name, N-I-C-K-Y-S-O-H. Yeah. So they're both up there. <laughs> we went. We went to music, went back to comics. It's great. Yes. Talked about the weather and stuff. It was awesome. <laughs> the weather, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Where are you guys based at? Like all of you. Okay, so I am actually out of Texas. I'm oh, out of Virginia. Virginia. Yeah. Okay. yeah, and I'm in Canada, uh, Toronto. Canada. Yeah, you mentioned that. Yeah, I, yeah. I almost went to TCAF 
And if I have done that, then I wouldn't have been at Virginia because they offered a free kids table, but it was like a half table. So I decided to bail out. Mm. Yeah. And I, I used to stay in Dallas, Texas for a while because my then girlfriend, now wife, um, my, my wife is actually a watch designer. She was designing for um, fossil watches, mm. specifically Michael Kors watch. So my, my wife is a designer and I used to stay there in fossil, I mean, and in Dallas and I, I like the weather there. Yeah, Dallas yeah. is nice. I actually live right outside of uh, Dallas in Denton. Oh, nice. Yeah, yeah where the uh, university is there. Yeah, Dallas is so nice. It's like a city and the roads are so like like real roads compared to New Jersey. <laughs> <laughs> and then the people who drive are really nice. They don't get mad at you. So yeah, I kind of miss Dallas because once in a while we would drive up to Houston and get some really good food like for a few hours and then come back. Yeah, and the housing is not bad either. No, it's pretty cheap. <laughs> it is. It is compared to New Jersey. Yeah. New Jersey is a huge challenge. Yeah, but it's right by New York, so no yeah. complaints. Yeah. Awesome. Cool. All right, Red. Yeah, all right, Nikki. I think we'll go ahead and wrap things up for today. We want to thank you so much for joining us and talking about your book. Yeah, thank you, guys. Thank you so much Yeah, for having me. That's a wrap on another fun podcast. Thanks for joining us. But the comic fun doesn't stop here. Check out Four Guys in a Comic on our YouTube channel. You can watch our comic reviews, hilarious pulling ads, and comic hauls, among other comic hijinks. We're also on Twitter. We love talking to our fans. Drop us a line anytime. Not enough for you? We got your back! You can hang out with us on Instagram and Facebook, too. If that's not enough for you, we got a special deal for you. Comic Bento is offering our fans a special deal with 15% off. That's right. Use the link in the notes for 15% off a Comic Bento subscription. And if you're new to the podcast, be sure to subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, or Podbean. Stay awesome, friends.